imagine, uh, you know, you are in this whole uh, WWF wrestling, you know, uh, match, you know, where, where, you know, where people, people are fighting, you know, but you should be the one who should be in the center. And, you know, if sudden, a sudden blow comes, you know, to you, there is a 30, there is a 30 second, you know, where everything goes silent, you know, around you, right? And that's the point where as a security leader, you have to make sure that during that point, how can you rescue yourself from that state and come back to normal, right? Welcome to The Edge, the official podcast of the SSC Forum. The SSC Forum brings together people like you, the IT practitioner, who are conquering the biggest challenges in networking and security. Together, the members of the forum share strategy, uncover requirements, and discuss best practices for enabling the modern workplace through security delivered at the network edge. To learn more about the SSC Forum, go to sscforum.com. IO. This podcast is sponsored by Access Security. Access Security secures the modern workplace. They make access to resources and applications impossibly simple and completely seamless. Take the Access 29-minute challenge. See how easy secure application delivery can be. Learn more at accesssecurity.com. And now, on to the podcast. In episode three of The Edge, John and Jay explore the world of identity with an expert, Figure Shaw. Learn about IDPs and how to prepare your identity program for the secure service Edge. Hey, we're here with uh, Jigar. Um, we're going to be talking about IDP today and understanding how you can set up your identity program to have success with an SSE-style transformation. So, do you want to introduce yourself first? Absolutely, John. And you know, good to good to see you, John Jay. Thanks for having me today. Um, hello, everyone. Um, I am Jigar Shah. Um, I'm the global leader for identity and access management. Uh, for a healthcare fintech company, uh, we are we are we specialize in the revenue cycle management space. I've been into security and identity space for for a couple of years now, and uh, you know, been really enjoying it. It's been really an evolving space. Before uh, before my this current role, I was doing management consulting uh, for Fortune 100, 200, 500, you know, Fortune 1000 companies. So you know, uh, mid size to you know large size to smaller companies. So really looking forward to our chat today. Awesome. That's an um, amazing experience there. Um, one of my, my peers in the past, he always you know, said that uh, identity is the next firewall. And as we look to move to you know, secure service edge or a SASE style model, uh, identity is more important. Can you kind of explain um, you know, what identity is and uh, 
uh, give our, 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 our listeners um, an idea of, of where this technology is going? Yeah, that's a great question, John. So let's first come, you know, like, let's talk about identity, right? First as a basic stuff. So, you know, um, I always tell people, you know, hey, what really defines you, you know? Who are, who are you, you know? How, how do you categorize yourself, right? So what is that unique identifier which tells that, hey, I am Jigger, right? You are John, you know, he's Jay, right? What is what is that unique identifier? So even in our in our corporate role or day-to-day tasks, these identities are in various kinds. We have human identities, we have non-human identities, we have, you know, uh, even within user human identities, we have a lot of sub-portions of identities, which we which which makes an organization. So identity is something which is unique. To a, to a person or an entity. That's how the identity is defined. And then everyone might have heard this term called IDP. What is that? You know, identity provider. That's a, it's a short form of uh, ident- uh, uh, identity provider, IDP. IDP is basically, I would say, uh, a database of identities, which are user identities, which are stored, you know, for authentication purposes. So, you know, our directory services like LDAP, Active Directory, you know, those are the things, you know, which is an identity to three years has been really, really like, you know, uh, been eventful, you know, for all of us. I would say, you know, they have changed, uh, you know, the last two years have changed life, you know, to everyone, you know, in a positive, in a, in, in a, in a, in a very different, interesting way, you know, I would say. And, you know, the biggest thing which we saw was, you know, work from home, right? Then, you know, that the whole traditional traditional side of working, you know, going to a physical office, four walls, sitting, you know, is no longer now, you know, the norm. And people are sitting, you know, everywhere, you know, as you know, uh, as you know, my team is actually very global team. My team is, you know, all over the world. We, we are in three different continents. So I'm in Chicago in United States, but someone in Asia, you know, sitting there, you know, which is 10,000 miles, you know, working, you know, with the, with the same things which I'm working. So, so you know, we we are we are we are no longer in that traditional physical boundaries. And at that time, John, you rightly mentioned earlier that identity is now becoming the the most critical part. You know, it's the I would say is the is the attack surface, and also at the same time, it's that barricade and a security perimeter for for an organization. So, so, so uh, you know. Um, in the last two, three years, identity has definitely gained, you know, a lot of traction, uh, you know, in terms of security and also, you know, legal and compliance world. So uh, that's what the change we have seen, you know, uh, from the identity perspective. I have a question and it's just in my mind, because I'm not an expert on IDP, uh, but uh, in my mind, I guess 10, 15 years ago, most people would use Active Directory because most people were on-premise. And we went through a kind of a a process of authenticating users against your Active Directory. And more and more of the tools that you would bring into your kind of on-prem environment would link into your Active Directory and and they would pass through username and passwords out of your Active Directory. And and that was kind of your... Let's call it IDP at the start. But my my personal opinion is, as services have started to kind of leave that that castle in that environment, and they've they've gone outside of your network, 
we've started to talk about things like single sign-on for, for kind of web apps and, and, and the things that are out there on the internet. Do you think that we were going to be going down the route of kind of IDPs out on the internet anyway? Or do you think that the pandemic coming along and, and, and having everyone be at home or hybrid working or work from anywhere, do you think that sped up the move to all of the IDPs that are now kind of cloud-based IDPs? Because when, when, when we called Active Directory initially, we called it like a central database and stuff like that. We didn't really call it an IDP, but I think at least for me, and I don't know what you think, but at least for me, it was kind of our initial identity provider, if we'll call it. Um, but I just wondered if you think that we've accelerated the use of those external IDPs because we are now using more cloud-based apps and people are now not in, in the on-prem environment. You definitely hit a very good point here. You know, as as you know, we transformed. You know, earlier I remember. You know, uh, even before even Active Directory. You know, like yeah, it was all paper based forms, right? People used to come. <laughs> you show your ID. You know, and then yeah, you can access you know certain things. You know, especially when you see like the traditional you know uh, uh, domains. You know, manufacturing. You know, and others, right? Where, where it was very traditional. But you know, with the with the advent of all of this. Uh, and especially with cloud, you know, coming into the picture that has that has transformed the way technology has operated in the last couple of years. With cloud, you know, there are so many advantages because first of all, you know, uh, speed time to, you know, speed to the market, right? The time to delivery has increased tremendously. When you ask, you know, and it also depends, you know, who are you asking in your, in your, in the, in the company, right? So if you ask someone like a DevOps guy, right? Who is always looking to continuous, you know, CICD, you know, continuously building, building things. Versus if you ask someone from security, you know, hey, they'll bring a very different aspect to this. So Jay, you know, to your point, yes, Active Directory was first, you know, People used to just call Active because it was the prevalent thing with Microsoft, right? Hey, that that's where the, but IDP is basically a common term. Now, if we talk about cloud, you know how single sign-on has progressed. So now, with cloud coming into the picture, companies have got an opportunity to put on so many applications, right? And and you know so many different things into a very uh, I would say dynamic cloud environment, right? So no longer this whole traditional physical, uh, you know, servers or machines are there. You know, this all has been replaced by cloud. Now, identity initially was very focused on on-premise, um, you know, concept. But then when cloud came in, this whole idea of single sign-on federation, you know, with our customers. I would say, and you know, you might have heard this term called CIAM, which is Customer Identity Access Management. I know there is another term called CIEM, which is, you know, Customer Infrastructure Entitlement Management. So how do you manage those identities and entitlements, you know, into your cloud, you know? And it's a different, it's a different, it's a different topic itself. But the whole point is, as we advance into the cloud, identity evolved you know from on-prem to the cloud identity with single sign-on progressing so that you know you don't have to really remember your password you know you log in once you authenticate yourself you know as a as a as a as a, as a user based on you know as i say you know i it becomes like a who you are what you know 
and what you have, you know. So, so, so multi-factor authentication, you know, is it a two-step authentication, is it a three-step authentication. Based on that, you get into your IDP, which is your directory services. You know, every company has a different directory services. Um, there are tools out there, you know, people, you know, Microsoft and Active Directory is very, very common. But, you know, there are tools, you know, sometimes, you know, people, uh, people are using, you know, Okta, for example, you know. As their as their IDP, sometimes you know uh, now even Google is coming up with their own, right? So 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 there are a lot of IDPs, you know, like you know Amazon, you know AWS, right? They have their own own own, own uh, directory services as well. So depends, you know, what company you go into. But then once you once a user is authenticated with the right credentials and identity, then that gives a user. And uh, a, a gateway, I would say, an authorization, you know. And then after that, a user is authorized to use what kind of applications or what kind of resources in the company, depending on your job profile, you know, you are entitled to. So there is something called as birthright access, right? If I am Jigar Shah today, and if I join some company, by default, I'm going to get, you know, access to XYZ application. But if I'm Jigar Shah and if I join as a, let's say, a finance head, right? So then I should only be given access to those financial applications and not others. Versus if I join in technology or IT, then I should not be able to see the financial applications, right? So that kind of, you know, access is called authorization. And, and you know, that's where this whole single sign-on, this role-based access model, RBAC, what we call, you know, comes into picture based on, you know, your role as well as, you know, how you uh, provide, you know, your birthright access. You mentioned something there kind of interesting about um, access and, and particular user roles. Um, what I've seen in the past, and, and if you can provide some light into this is, as a person moves through an organization, for instance, they start off and maybe they start off in finance and then work their way through to sales. And then um, for some odd reason, and I hope they don't do this, they end up in IT. Um, as they move throughout that organization, they're, they're gained rights to all of these uh, different areas. Um, what would you say to people out there who are experiencing this and and these users accumulate these privileges over time. They're working in the same company. Their just role has changed. How can you go back and, you know, in a, in a good way, operationalize uh, cleaning up that access? Because, uh, you know, in the past, I've seen where teams, they're moving. They, they've a lot of demands on them. And um, sometimes that, uh, that care and feeding that needs to be done is, isn't com quite complete. And you end up with these uh, entities out there who have tremendous amount of privileges. And they really don't need it. That's actually, John, a very, very great question, you know. And it's such a such a such a real world scenario, you know, you're hitting on. And I'm sure all the viewers who will be hearing and listening to this might resonate to this problem a lot. You know, being an identity, being an identity leader in the company, you have no idea, you know. Uh, first of all, I belong to healthcare, you know, so it's a very highly regulated industry. We are, we we get audited, you know, four or five times, bigger big audits, you know, throughout the year, and of course in, in other industries as well. I'm sure that you know this is the same thing, and this concept of so you know you you hit on a lot of different points in this question, you know, and let's just you know dissect it you know, one by one. So number one, first is. Um, 
person changing roles in the company, right? You, you, you join as something. So it's called joiner, mover, and lever, right? So joiner and lever are easy. When you join, you get some roles, you know, when you leave, you, all your roles are disabled. But that movement part is, is, is very tricky, right? So I joined, as you said, in finance, <clears throat> I, I moved to sales, then, you know, I, I moved to IT. I've, I've accumulated so many privileges and roles throughout my tenure, you know, um, in, a, in a company. And then sometimes what happens is people forget to remove this. So one of this principle called the principle of least privilege, right? That, and you know, you might've heard, you know, that is the whole um, tenant or the base for zero trust, you know, that, you know, hey, you trust, but always verify, right? So that, 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 that concept of least privilege is really important. So what I'm, I'm going to share, you know, my, my personal, you know, what I do, you know, and, I'm, and everyone has a different, you know, way of tackling this, but when a person moves from one role to another, first of all, you know, we need to make sure that, you know, hey, uh, what is the new role that person is getting into? And what are those privileges which are required for the new role? And then what are those old privileges they need to be disabled, right? So we treat that, that identity as not just a movement, but it's a combination of disablement and enablement combined together within a move, right? So it's not like a hard disablement, but we really have to make sure that my team really does a great job. You know, there are tools out there. There are tools like SailPoint, Savient, you know, in the market who specialize in this, right? But hey, and I, I would say, you know, especially SailPoint has a very unique feature, which they just came out, you know, literally, I think uh, last year or a couple of months ago, where, you know, they're using AI and ML to really understand the trends, right? So over the time, this person has accumulated this, this, this roles, but now this person has gone into a different, you know, uh, persona or a different, you know, uh, role, uh, you know, and not using these roles anymore. So these roles have become static, you know, over time. So then it really, the, the, the logic checks, the engine checks and automatically, you know, either asks, you know, for an approval that, hey, can these roles be removed or, you know, are they still intact? You know, so those so those are the kind of things, you know, which are really helping us, you know, when it comes to, you know, the least privilege, you know, accumulation, because one of the biggest worry about accumulating those roles, John, is increasing your technical debt as well. You increase a ton of technical debt, you know, throughout, you know, this whole journey. Plus, you are increasing your security risk, which is huge, right? If I moved into IT and let's say I was for example, an HR person or a finance person. If I have employees' confidential data, access to that, you know, either payroll, you know, or or you know, some some kind of like you know, PII, you know, data, then I'm I'm getting out, you know, uh, that that personal information to someone who is not supposed to see that, right? And we all know in security, they said, Jay, right, that um, it's like the people are your biggest asset, and they are the weakest links at the same time. Right. So, you know, something happens, you know, and if those roles still still get into, you know, still the privileges are there, you know, uh, people can misuse those. So, uh, so, 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 so that's a concept of least privilege. And you have to be very careful, you know, when a person, you know, uh, moves around in the company. And that could be done through various things, through your proper RBAC, you know, role-based access control, your entitlement management, your credential management, and especially, you know, your privileged access, you know, your privileged access management uh, technology. Uh, 
So if you are privileged access, if you are an admin to a critical server or a database, you know, depending on that, uh, am I going to give you a privileged access, you know? And that too also, you know, we are implementing called just in time. So, you know, it shouldn't be like forever. You apply for that access, you know, you use it for a couple, you know, where, whenever the need is, it's a time base, and then that access is removed. So, so those are some. I, I think, to be honest, we've, we've hit on some pretty important points because I worked in IT quite a long time, and, and I, I was nervous about having an IDP that controlled access to everything because I always think of putting all your eggs in one basket. I mean, Back, I mean, I'm from a manufacturing background, and we used to have to log into Windows and then log into the ERP system with a separate username and password, and log into email maybe with a separate username and password, and all the other legacy systems, separate username and password, separate username and password. And although it might have been a pain, it was more secure because if somebody managed to break into one of the systems, it was unlikely they would get into the other system. So I was a little bit nervous about this whole. IDP single sign-on because I was thinking if they break in, they've got access to everything. And that's why I think we need to be very careful when we we implement this as IT architects. We, we need to be, in the back of our minds, we need to make sure we combine it with least privilege, zero trust, et cetera, et cetera. Because if, if, if we are putting all of the keys to the to the buildings in one place, we need to make sure we limit what people can actually get access to. And we need to regularly check it and make sure that that access is kept absolutely to a minimum. And I think that's, that's what we've just talked about. Um, but I just think it's, it's a bit of a nervous road to go down because obviously we want to make things easier for the users and, and, and we want to to give them single sign-on, but we need to do it securely and sensibly. But another question I've got for you is, is like I said, I'm, I'm from a manufacturing background and we've got a lot of legacy systems and those systems are not necessarily new enough to, to, to deal with single sign-on. Some of them are still the old, old kind of eight-character usernames limits and, and passwords are not quite as strict, et cetera, et cetera. Have you, have you had any... I guess in fintech and, and the area you're in, you've probably had similar experiences. And I just wondered, are you are you just kind of not doing anything with those until they kind of die their own death? Or, or have you got an approach that kind of uses the same model to, 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 to deal with that issue? And I guess, John, you've had similar experiences. So I'd be interested in really both your feedback. I think legacy legacy systems are everywhere, you know, regardless of any industry you go, you know, I mean, I mean, before healthcare, you know, I was in banking and finance and I was unsurprised, you know, we had, you know, AS400 and mainframe systems still active, you know, <laughs> still active there and, and people are still using it, you know, so uh, there, there, there are challenges, of course, you know, because a lot of this identity, uh, you know, when you when you talk about access management, when you talk about identity governance or uh, certifications, you know, they require your applications to be modernized to, you know, the modern authentication authorization standards, you know. So, for example, your application should be SAML, SAML authenticated, right, or OIDC or OAuth 2.0, because those are some of the some of the open standards, you know, the, the modern standards, you know, where you can you can transfer the tokens, you know, back and forth, 
And that's where, you know, your federation and your federated identities concept kicks in. And, you know, that helps, you know, you to, 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 to federate with your organizations. Uh, to your question, Jay, you know, yes, you know, uh, we are we are still, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, I have done 100 percent, you know, we have modern applications. We still have legacy applications in our, in our company, as you mentioned, in your manufacturing you had. Uh, the, the best what we're trying to do is we're trying to trying to uh, modernize those the best we can. And the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the things where we cannot modernize it for some reason, right, that, hey, uh, to do, you know, lack of skills or time or maybe even the application itself is so primitive that you know hey changing the code might affect you know something we are making sure that those applications are treated in a different manner right so when we connect to our idp you know those applications either there are there are connectors who are written in the middle which can which can talk to those those idp and the applications or sometimes we just go with manual stuff you know very honest you know we, we don't automate those because we know that, you know, hey, we are not going to automate this. You know, even if we spend time doing this, you know, we're not going to achieve what we need. So at that point, you know, we just do the cost benefit analysis and see, you know, what makes the most sense. But those are some of the very exceptional rare cases. Uh, but most of the time, you know, either we, we modernize or we write some connectors, you know, with our tools so that, you know, we can connect both the IDP and those applications. John, any thoughts? <laughs> Honestly, I'm I'm a network guy living in a in a cloud world. So, <laughs> um, one question I did have, and you touched on it a little bit earlier around DevOps and the movement there, more decentralization of IT. Um, as we move in that direction, uh, definitely that the DevOps movement. You know, there, there's a a sense that they want a more control over their destiny and um, less of a centralized approach, and I think that plays into identity as well. Can you um, kind of talk a little bit about self-service in that sense? So if I have a, let's say it is, it's, a, it's a cloud app, let's call it a data warehouse app, and I, and I have a team that manages that application and they accept responsibility for it, but they also want to you know, control some of the identity aspects of it because they, they want to onboard you know, customers, their users quickly. Um, have you seen that model? And if so, um, can you kind of provide some some guidelines for success? Yeah. Um, and again, just to just so that I understand the question, you're asking about the self service uh, onboarding, basically. Yeah. So so yeah, the the team that manages that application wants to um, also manage the identity aspect of it. So they want to enable users on that on that system without having to put a ticket into the let's call it the operations team where they you know check the box to 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 add that user and that that process takes time obviously uh they just want to control it themselves yeah no absolutely not and i, I you know <clears throat> this is one of this one of this uh symptom of shadow Right. That's what we call it. Right? Yeah. That you know, people really don't want to centralize or don't want to like you know collaborate with the with the with the IT world, and they want to just create their own processes and systems because multiple reasons, right? They feel that you know, hey, if we go that route, we're gonna get slowed down, right? And you know, business is just moving million miles an hour, and how can I just you know um, keep up with that? Yes, I've seen that you know many times, you know, in my career. Uh, one thing is, uh, you know, at that point, uh, 
it works because you know the business is able to you know do things around this but when they when an attack happens or there is a vulnerability right in in your in your in your inner process or in your identity or you know in in any of your workflow you know and then if one attack or ransomware happens you know that brings a company down right so in the in those situations you know what we do is you know and that that's what i think the sassy model john you know we talked about earlier plays a very very uh, important role you know because then you're converging your network your infrastructure your identity you know everything you know in one in one basically a convergence control point right so you're authenticating the users you know one central point regardless of you know their device or location right um, and and I, I would just go back to that sassy model again you know to to help you know this whole situation because distributed security you know uh, has you know uh, comes with a cost comes with an expense right and if you really see you know uh, the hub and the spoke model right if you're not converging you know to to your to your center point you are opening up yourself to even more work down the line you know and when i say more work in terms of either standardization uh, scalability right because you can't scale and scalability is huge these days people want to scale right standardization scalability and overall your security right i mean it has to be really tightened up right so that single management and policy implementation is not achieved you know you can get your security gaps you know that might be exposed you know where you know one of your engineers or your you know your, your devops guy you know doesn't really realize it because he or she just wants to put, put things out in the market but then you know you are exposing yourself to the bad actors out there right and and i think i think that whole oh another good point i really wanted to bring was segregation of duties right segregation of you uh, you know that's that's sob you know a lot of people don't understand that you know and then they take this thing very lightly but i said like you know sod is something which is so important you know in today's world especially you know when it comes to you know when everyone is just distributed you know we are not physically you know located and if you don't put those kind of policies in place you are setting yourself up to you know a big disaster so so i would i would say you know either you try to decrease your shadow it you know and bring it in a in a centralized place even if you are not there with your sassy journey yet you know and it's it's a journey you know it's not an overnight thing you know it takes up multi quarter multi years you know to 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 reach there but having that baby steps you know really helps that okay so i i one of the things and, and i think one of the reasons we wanted to have this conversation with you was on on one of the sse forum meetings we talked about um deployment of sse and and, and kind of the prerequisites and and what was required to, to move forward with the SASE or, or SSE kind of configuration. And we were talking about IDP and the fact that that's kind of something that you really need to have in place before you can consider going down the route of SSE or SASE. Um, a lot of people we were speaking with were not at that point and they, they were not ready uh, and they hadn't done an IDP. I wondered from from your experience, 
and, and, and from within your network? Or, or is it something that people are thinking is, is a priority? And is it something that they're thinking of just for SASE and SSE? Or are people thinking that an IDP in general is the right direction to go? I always tell people that, you know, hey, focus on two things. One is your IDP should be very, very strong. There has to be a vision and strategy how to maintain your IDP. And you need to know what you really want to authenticate and how these users are authenticating. So that logic should be strong if you really have to scale your IDP to the next level, right? So, so that's it. That's what IDP is. That's where your identities are reside your directory services, and they are used to authenticate a user. SASE on the other side would be your, you know, your framework, I would say, you know, or a framework which kind of includes, you know, a lot of your firewalls, you know, uh, you know, I'm sure you guys have been in network, right? So, you know, firewalls, you know, how we, firewall as a service. Now that's what the term which is coming up. Um, you know, your, your cloud, your, your cloud applications, your cloud native applications, right? So all the distributed security without any latency, you know, in a, uh, on an expense of a traditional hub and spoke kind of a model, which is converging everything into, into one. Um, so yeah, you know, like for example, one of the really good use cases, Jay and John, you know, I would like to bring is as people are going back to working from home, you know, VPNs, right? People are thinking about replacing you know, with a framework, right? And and what what does that exactly mean? So VPN basically allows you to work in a, in your private network, right? It gives you the security, but then there are a lot of cons, you know, of VPN. People have people have said, you know, hey, we have a latency issue, we have you know some connecting issues, we cannot work fast. So those are the traditional ways people have, you know, and we are just evolving into this whole SASE model, which. Which 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 takes care of zero trust, you know, as a tenant, you know, as as your base, you know, having that CASB, having that SD ban firewall as a service, your your secure web gateway, you know, coming everything converging together, you know, one control point where you can apply your security policies, and that policies is just disseminated to each and every department, you know, around that, and that's exactly, you know. The SASE model, the real SASE model looks like. We're getting down to that uh, most common denominator, and that's the user and the devices, and and why you need access to an application. So, well, this has been uh, this has been insightful. Um, thank you so much for uh, helping us out and and helping to um, you know, helping us define you know what identity is and and where it's going, and talking about some of the key points, the process that needs to be put together and, and uh, some of the hard decisions that you have to make as you go on this journey. Really appreciate the time and, and the conversation. Likewise, John and Jay, you know, these are, these are great questions. You know, even I learned a lot, you know, I mean, you kept me thinking, you know, about those things, you know, which is, which is so important because sometimes, you know, you just take things for granted, you know, and you're just in that whole mode, but yeah, you know, a lot of things, you know, you know, while I was talking, you know, I mean, like, you know, I was just making some mental notes in my, in my mind that, Hey, I need to like, look around this. And, you know, one thing, you know, I would end, you know, I mean, I'm right now um, flying the plane and at the same time I'm building it. So I'm in that kind of a mode, right? And I'm sure, you know, everyone in this, uh, who, are, who are listens to it, you know, might resonate to this because it's not an easy journey. You know, identity is very complex. And if you really see, there are so many aspects and everyday things change. 
um, you know, so one thing I always want to end, you know, with, uh, with one one liner, you know, that, you know, imagine, uh, you know, you are in this whole uh, WWF wrestling, you know, uh, match, you know, where, where, you know, where people, people are fighting, you know, but you should be the one who should be in the center. And, you know, if sudden, a sudden blow comes, you know, to you, there is a 30, there is a 30 second, you know, where everything goes silent, you know, around you, right? And that's the point where as a security leader, you have to make sure that during that point, how can you rescue yourself from that state and come back to normal, right? And, and that's where, you know, the Mike Tyson's, you know, thought, you know, comes into play. And I think a lot of leaders, you know, experience that. So, so security, you know, just, just plan it well, have a vision, have a strategy, do some POCs if you're not sure, you know, talk to different vendors, uh, you know, and then you make a decision, you know, where you really want to take your take, take. Thanks for listening to The Edge, the official podcast of the SSE Forum. Look for more great content coming soon as we explore the journey to the Secure Service Edge. And please give us a thumbs up on your favorite podcast platform. And to learn more about the SSE Forum, please check out ssceforum.io.